Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. I hope and trust that you are all well. Do you have a lot of accounts or social media and can't remember your passwords or are using the same password for everything? Do you ever forget your passwords? Well, all of that's okay, because Aura is helping me keep track of these accounts and passwords with its easy-to-use app that contains a password manager. They're also sponsoring today's video. Their easy-to-use app helps me generate strong and complex passwords when I set up new accounts and it remembers them for me when I need to sign in on a browser or on a mobile device. Using the same password twice is just asking for trouble. And that's why you need a good password manager, and that's just one of the many features that you're going to get with Aura. Identity theft protection, fraud monitoring, antivirus, and even a VPN, all in a single app. Aura not only gives you identity theft insurance, but it notifies you if your email, passwords, or social security number have been leaked to the dark web. You can even connect your bank accounts and get notified of suspicious transactions. It's absolutely worth seeing what kind of info of yours has been leaked to the dark web, and Aura will tell you. You'll probably be shocked, just like I was. You can try it for free. That's right, no cost up front. And see for yourself when you sign up for a 14-day free trial at my link, Aura.com forward slash Phoenix. Get yourself some peace of mind when you're browsing the internet and see who's been using your data. Go visit my link down below and try it out today. Thank you to those who have signed up with the 14-day free trial down below. Not only does it help this channel, but it also helps you for now and in the future. With all of that being said, it is time to go back to ashes. For once we arise from the ashes, we are a bigger, brighter, stronger, and happier person in the morning. Sit back, relax, kick back, grab a snack, or tuck in to get warm, and prepare for this dose of vocal melatonin entitled More Camping Horror Stories. Right after this intro, there will be an ad. I'll read the first story there will be an ad, and after that, there will be no more ads within this video. Some buddies and I went camping by the lake one night. About 1.30 a.m., we heard some rustling in the bushes and just figured it was a rabbit or something. We went over to check it out and found nothing. About 1.30 a.m., a huge pickup truck that was lifted and blaring loud music drove by on a dirt road, really, really slowly, shining a huge police-grade spotlight on me and my friends. The truck burned out and kept driving. So, my best friend and I decide to drive up the road and see if we spot anything unusual about the truck. We get to the main road, and there are probably seven or eight cop cars, lights flashing, and two or three ambulances. We stop to turn around, and I swear this seemed like a damn horror film. A cop pecks on my window with his flashlight out of nowhere. He asks what we're doing. We told him we were camping and told him about the truck. He says, Well, you boys might want to go camp somewhere else. We had a homicide here and haven't located the suspect. My friend says, So should we be scared? Like a damn idiot, and the cop says, and I quote, Well, I'm not scared, but there are 20 officers here and we all have guns. I said yes, sir, and tore off back down to the campsite. My best friend called the rest of our buddies and told them to pack up the gear, not to ask questions. 
and that we had to get out. We literally threw two fully pitched tents in the back of one of our trucks and got the hell out of there. The cops located the killer about 30 minutes later at our campsite. This one's not too creepy, but many years ago, I was living in Central California and had a lovely girlfriend. We liked the outdoors, so we'd often spend Saturday nights together outside, along a river, in a forest, up in the hills, whatever. One night, I drove us far out into the county and found a really nice grassy hill. We hopped a fence and hauled our wine and blankets about halfway up the hill. It was the full moon, absolutely lovely. So we drank wine and tossed off our clothes and fooled around. I was laying on my back and for some reason looked up the hill. I saw something move, breaking the plane of the hill's edge. It got bigger and bigger. Then I saw a perfect sharp silhouette of a Brahma bull. Then another, then another. They were silent, just staring at us. I alerted the girlfriend, and she looked uphill. We should go, she whispered, and I agreed. We quietly picked up our clothes and blankets. As we did, the bulls charged down the hill. We sprinted naked down that grassy hill as fast as we could. We threw our stuff over the fence and hopped it, just as the bulls got close. To our relief, the wood fence was beheld by the bulls as impossible, even though it seemed they could probably charge right through it without a problem. We tossed our stuff in the car while the bulls stared at us, silent. We drove off, still naked. Once we were clear, we laughed about it. Nervous laughter, of course. We were close to getting stomped, I'm sure. That would have been hard for the cops to explain to our families. My friends and I used to camp at this abandoned campground. I'm not sure who found it first or why, but it was free and that's all that mattered. I arrived late the first night, so I have to bunk awkwardly with several people in a tent. We just finally figured out how to arrange ourselves so the guys weren't nuts to butts when we heard it. Opera music, full orchestral accompaniment, and a beautiful, though faint, soprano voice. No one else had been in the campground when I got there. I was the last one to arrive well after sundown. There were no houses around. A river boarded one side, and a large river valley farm was on the other. It was eerily silent all night until the opera singing started. The second year we went there, we expected more singing, which we got, but only on the first night, which was still super creepy, but we had been expecting it. But that year, we also got a campsite filled with owls, I've never seen this many owls in one place in all my life. There had to have been at least a dozen of these orb-eyed bastards hanging out in the bush surrounding our campsite. They didn't seem to be afraid of us since they lingered every single night, 
observing us as we went about making dinner. Unnerving, to say the very least. We never went back to that place, and I've honestly never been able to find it on a paper map. This means nothing, by the way. I'm shit when it comes to maps, but I still think it was weird. Before I start this, I'd like you to know that this wasn't some crazy brainwashed kids type of Bible camp. It was a bunch of hipsters singing acoustic songs about Jesus and rock climbing and canoeing for a whole week. So, this happened when me and my friend were 15. I can still remember it clearly, and I didn't dream it as I wrote it in my diary. Basically, me and my friend couldn't sleep. It was 12 a.m. and everyone was sent to bed at like 10. We decided to head out of the cabin and head to this lake. It was all on the campsite and we knew the way from orienting that day. The dirt paths and the whole trail were lit up and it was actually quite beautiful. Anyways, we got to this lake and by the way, we live in the UK so we don't have to worry about alligators or anything like that and we went skinny dipping. We got changed and decided to head back. We were walking back when we noticed a tree with the word done carved into it. We thought it was something to do with the orienting trail, so we walked more into the trees at the side of the path. Then we heard a branch snap above us and something heavy fell on top of us. It was furry. I swore it was a large animal. Whatever it was, it wasn't alive. We bolted before we could even inspect it. I bolted back to our cabin. We checked our clothes to see if there was any clue as to what it could have been. But there was nothing. The next day, canoeing was canceled and the whole lake was blocked off. We asked why and our team leader said that the water needed cleaned even though it's a lake. And then we asked the guy that ran the canoeing, and he said that the lifeguard guy was sick and couldn't guard. I don't know. To this day, I'm still convinced it was a deer. But why was it in a tree? How could it have got there? And if it wasn't an animal, what was it? And why was it in a tree? This took place back in 2016. I, at the time, was a 16-year-old girl at a summer camp. This camp took place at a college about 45 minutes away from me. I was there for filmmaking and knew everyone in the program. Yes, there were other programs such as dance, drama, and visual arts, but there were still a limited amount of people. The film camp lasted longer than all of the other ones, so by the last week, there were about 50 of us on campus, so you remember faces. There was a certain spot on campus where a lot of people would go to watch the sunset. Two of my friends and I decided to sit out there. There were many people to begin with, so we felt comfortable. I should have mentioned this earlier. But the campus is located in the sketchier part of town, and there are gates to enter from the outside. As it got darker and darker, more and more people went back to their dorms. 
The three of us stayed out, even in the dark. There were street lamps, and I had my camera, and one friend has her laptop, so it wasn't pitch black. It was about 9.30 p.m., and a man walked in front of us. We waved and smiled as he walked by. The only thing is, I have never seen him before. Even a week ago, before all of the other sessions left, I had never seen him before, and at most, there had been 250 people on campus. I tell my friends that it kind of creeped me out and that I've never seen him, but the one with the laptop said it was nothing to worry about, seeing there was campus security doing a checkup on a building near us. About 10 minutes go by, and he walks in front of us again. After he leaves, the friend with the laptop and a worried voice says, Uh, we need to go. We grab all of our belongings and are walking fast back to the dorms, and I get her to explain to me what had her so worried. She said that when he walked by again, he looked over his shoulder and did a head nod into the distance, and when she looked over... She saw another man in the darkness. We lapped it off as we got close to the dorms, but all I could think to myself was, why didn't we leave when I said we should? Nobody ever listens to me even though I have great intuition. Anyways, creepy men who seemingly were planning on mugging us, I hope we never see you again. Where I live, there are huge swaths of forested land that is miles and miles from any sort of civilization. Being a good old country boy, I spent a lot of time camping along the DNR roads. One year, we were camped out on the side of a little mountain and spent the night drinking and whatnot. The next morning, nobody wanted to cook, so we decided to drive into a town, 20 miles away for breakfast. As we were exiting the forest, we came upon a police blockade. The sheriffs had their AR rifles pointed at us and told us to park the vehicle and walk towards them with our hands in the air. We followed instructions and they told us that a forest ranger had been shot the previous night. I later found out that she was shot about 300 feet below our campsite. We probably heard the gun but in that part, it wasn't unusual for people to be shooting in that area. We were told that we couldn't go back for our camp gear, as the killer was still on the loose. Instead, we drove to a nearby casino and got back to the revelry. A few hours later, the gas station next to the casino is packed with sheriffs, PD, FBI, every LEO within 50 miles must have been there. As it turns out, the killer was spotted at the gas station, and an officer who happened to be there recognized him. When the LEO told him to get on the ground, the killer reached for his gun, at which point the LEO shot and killed him. It was so strange that we were within a few hundred feet of where he killed someone, and hours later, a few hundred feet from where he was ultimately killed. We drove back to our campsite that night a little sombered, then proceeded to get shit-faced.
Camping with family and friends up in the mountains. Sharing a tent with my brother, I'll call him Luke. And another friend, I'll call him Evan. Luke, Evan, and I weren't tired when everyone retreated to their tents for the night. But the fire was dimming out and we were bored so we went inside our tent to watch Adventure Time on my laptop until it died. We all passed out after a few episodes and I woke up sometime during the night into an episode of sleep paralysis. I have weird sleep habits and experience sleep paralysis every few months or so. For those who haven't had it, basically you're awake but you cannot move and sometimes experience auditory and visual hallucinations. I was aware of this, so I didn't have a full-on heart attack when I started hearing shuffling noises outside my tent, which continued and got louder and closer until the fabric of the tent itself was being touched by something. My computer hadn't yet died, so I could see my surroundings in the dim light of the screen. I watched the fabric compress as something pushed against it sporadically, about four feet off the ground, then moved around the tent towards me. I watched three distinct impressions follow this creature around the side of the tent. It looked like a claw. I was terrified and filled with adrenaline, but another part of me remained calm, assuring my body it was all a dream. I couldn't do anything anyway, so my fear was pointless. But as I continued to observe it, my sleep paralysis began to fade, and I realized I could move. No longer so convinced I was dreaming, I reached over and shoved Luke awake. I tried to get him to look and see if there was really something there, but I must have sounded like I was sleep-talking because he just rolled over and went back to sleep, waving me off. Eventually, the rustling stopped, and I was tired and groggy enough that I quickly fell back asleep. In the morning, I'd completely forgotten about it. That is, until my brother-in-law, who was in the other tent, we'll call him Dean, said to us, It's a good thing we put the dog in the car last night. There was a bear here while we were sleeping. Dean pointed out the tree where we'd strung up our trash, so animals wouldn't get into it, and the fresh, gaping claw marks about nine feet up the trunk. It hit me like a truck. I had seen the bear and calmly watched it test the fabric of my tent, twelve inches from my face. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Mine is pretty mild, camping in Australia. I used to go out into the bush a lot by myself. Longest I did was a week straight. I'd go into a reserve with whatever I could fit in my backpack and slept under the stars in my swag. 
I'd usually find kangaroo sleeping grounds because they'd invariably be the softest places that were trampled down the best. Tip, if you do this, make sure you separate yourself from the ground because of ticks. A simple tarp under you does the trick. The best times was when if you stayed really still, you'd wake up surrounded by ruse in the early morning. Anyway, my girlfriend of the time decided that we should get away together, and because I like camping, I could take her out. I decided that my hikes were a little rough for a beginner, so we went on a road trip down south. Pemberton, by the way. Deciding to stop at camping grounds along the way. We stayed at one or two grounds that were totally homogenized. We basically camped on lawn next to a stream, next to a highway, that first few nights. The fourth night, we found a ground that was a little further into nature. We drove two hours down a dirt track. Along the way, there were wood signs with the cute names of the campgrounds. Blossom Sight, Eucalyptus Down, etc., Every site we'd gone by was taken, and it was going to get dark soon, so we thought of turning back and renting a hotel room. When we came across a site that was open, it was called simply Goblins. We took out gear and headed off into the bush. We hiked for about 30 minutes down into a gully and back up again. The hiking trail was way overgrown. We eventually got to the campsite. It was overgrown with ferns. There was a dilapidated old stone building with plants growing through its front door's rusty iron bars. The place obviously hadn't seen a human in years. There was a sign saying, Closed. Please proceed back to the road. There was a stream running nearby with a crumbling edge accompanied by a chorus of frogs. I figured that the stream was eroding its bank and forestry people didn't want any accidents out here, so that's why they closed the campground. Well, it was getting pretty dark, so we decided, it, let's set up our tents and eat some dinner. We cleared most of the site with my machete. It was all ferns that we chopped back and laid flat when I got a fire going until my girlfriend set up the tent. This forest was like nothing I'd camped in before. Where I am from, we had gum trees. Just think your typical Australian tree. The trees in Pemberton are all massive, easily over 50 meters. Biggest ones are 80 plus. Standing near these, you feel like you have been shrunk down in size and are wandering in some type of fairyland. The outside air has a cold bite to it, and the night is still. Sitting down to dinner, I start to get a strange feeling that I'd never gotten camping before. Not quite being watched, but more like I was in something else's territory. Having camped with Ruse, I knew that usually you'd have to look for conscious signs of other animals to figure out what belonged to who. Scratchings, trampled bedding, scat, etc., after a while, you don't have to look so hard and just spot the signs. When I was setting up camp, I didn't see anything, and I couldn't recall anything that showed there were animals nearby. I tried to keep some light banter on to not scare my girlfriend. I avoided the usual scary camp initiation stories that I would tell when taking someone into the bush for the first time while trying to puzzle out what the feeling was. 
Outside of the pitiful glow of the little campfire, it was pitch black. My girlfriend said, I'm feeling spooked. Is it always like this? I admitted that it didn't. As if being conducted, every single frog went silent at once. We heard something out there in the bush. I know what grew sound like, and it wasn't that. It was a loud crash. It sounded like a tree being pushed over, and then lots of little independent footsteps, crushing the foliage and leaves. I said, maybe a tree fell and the local possum scampered. Silence. The frogs started up again. I loaded up the fire and we retired into our tent. Multiple times during the night, we heard footsteps in the foliage, and then the sound of lots of small crashes, like lots of small somethings being thrown from the top of one of the massive trees, always preceded by the frogs going silent. At first, the sounds were randomly off in an easterly direction, moving slightly north, slightly south, but always coming closer. After the fire had died down, I heard the sound just outside our campsite. Now that it was closer, I could hear it better. The loud walking, like something taking big steps and crushing foliage and kind of repeated padding sound like someone slapping their palm against the trunk of a tree. Then the sound of things falling out of the tree from above. Whatever it was, it paused. I almost went outside with my flashlight and machete, but my girlfriend grabbed me tightly, and I felt shaking her head, no, into my shoulder. After what seemed like an eternity, we heard it go north and then west. It continued doing whatever it had been previously doing, but now it was circling our tent. A few times during the night, we heard the sounds come very close definitely inside the circle we had cleared for the tent. When the sun came up in the morning and we got out of the tent, our entire campsite was covered in gum nuts. They hadn't been there the night before. We had laid all the ferns flat so nothing was on top of them. Not a single nut was on our tent. They were all spaced about two meters away and absolutely covered the ground. They looked like they had been arranged. We decided to hightail it out of there, coming up with theories in the car. We thought maybe the nuts might have hit the tent and then bounced off, and therefore the equal distribution around the tent. But we hadn't heard a single nut hit our tent during the night, and trust me, neither one of us slept a wink. And how does that explain the crashing footsteps? And why did the frog stop singing every time? I think it's the only time I've had that feeling while camping, and if I ever get it again, I'm not going to stay. I can't find logical explanations for what happened without thinking that something with intelligence and an alien purpose came within the boundary of human-marked territory without any fear that night. I was on my first real date with my now husband, backpacking up Mount St. Helens. We stayed over at this little shelter called Bolt Camp, which is about five to six miles off the beaten path. You can Google it. 
You'll see some pics of it with a downed tree that took out part of the shelter. That is the way it was when we stayed there. It's a beautiful hike in. The sun was setting as we were nearing the camp. Most of it is dirt path, but there are a number of places where there are little wooden bridges. Every time we'd cross one, we'd say, Watch out for trolls! Many of the trees had hollows at their bases, and as the sun went down, it would shine through them, creating the illusion that they were little hobbit or fairy houses with tiny fires burning at tiny hearths. As it got dark, we started seeing phosphorescent mushrooms glowing in eerie green. It's a really neat little shelter. Dirt floor, but probably big enough for six people to sleep in. Sands the down tree. I think it has been rebuilt since. The last people left a half bottle of scotch behind, which we partook of. When we left, we left some weed and a few bottles of water behind. Kind of a take-something-leave-something little place. Anyway, we went to sleep in the shelter. He was towards the entrance and I was towards the back. I woke up at some point. It was pitch black, of course. I was facing towards the back of the shelter when I saw it. It's hard to describe. It looked like a spider web floating through the back of the shelter. Sort of geometric shaped, floating around, changing shapes, and sort of flipping over and swapping end to end. I wasn't afraid of it. In fact, I really enjoyed watching it. I'm an atheist and don't believe in ghosts, but I laid there thinking that it must have been some kind of spirit. I wanted to wake him up so he could see it too, but I didn't know him that well and figured he'd think I was crazy, or wouldn't be able to see it. Anyway, I watched it for a few minutes, then drifted off back to sleep. A couple of months later, we were talking about our trip, and I finally told him about it. His mouth dropped open. Apparently, the very next night after we returned, he was outside of his house having a smoke when he saw a thing that matched that description exactly, floating and drifting along. It finally sort of proofed out of existence in front of a bush. In its place were glowing red eyes. It did freak him out, so he noped back into the house. We've never seen it again. I'll have a go at the supernatural aspect of this question. This was maybe seven or eight years ago, when I was 20, and in a really bad way. I've been my life up via heroin for the past year, but after lots of help, love, and luck from friends and family, finally, I was getting my head cleared, almost there, above the black tar hell I'd gotten myself into. I decided to get out of the city and drove two hours out to a smaller town in Missouri where Google Maps told me a small campsite by water was. I knew there shouldn't be very many campers because it had just gotten cold, above 40 or so at night. Nearly there, as I'm driving down a misty morning road, just a picturesque straight two-lane highway, there's this object laying in the road about a half mile up. I slowed my approach and can see it's this shaggy mutt just hanging out. I stopped and rode down my window right next to it. She came up, 
licked my hand, and wagged her tail a bit. She seemed to expect something of me. She had no tag, no tattoo for Chip, I checked later. Just a dog with no name. Naturally, I popped open the passenger side door for her, and she was glad to hop in. So now I got this dirty but friendly companion for my little excursion, the dog with no name. The entrance to the campsite was only a half mile further, and as I expected, there was no one around. I just dropped a five in the honor box and picked the site closest to the stream. I set up my tent, the same one I'd set up for years with my dad as a kid, collected some dry sticks, not hard to do this time of year, and started a fire. The dog with no name just circled the campsite, looking content enough to sniff some leaves and roll around in the mud. I'd went to check out the rivulet, about 30 feet wide. It had a man-made stone dam you could walk across. To the west was the deeper part of the river, sort of pooling at the dam. Then maybe an eight-foot drop to the east into calmer streams. Instantly, I wanted to go on, cleanse myself, symbolize, baptize, whatever. I grew up Catholic, so that kind of shit runs through my head to this day, though I'm far from religious. The dog sees me scoping it out the whole time from the campsite. I can't bring myself to do it, though. I'm hugely disappointed in myself, but it's cold. It's brackish. I don't even have a towel. So I go back up to smoke cigarettes, eat hot dogs, pet the dog with no name. Night falls quickly after all this mediation, and I roll inside the tent to sleep. My buddy sleeps inside the tent next to the sleeping bag. This dog was awesome, if you couldn't tell that yet. I wake up for no reason I can put my finger on, and my main source of warmth, dog with no name, is missing. I slide out of the tent, I guess I left it unzipped, and there she is, just sitting, waiting for me in pitch black, wagging her tail. I feel very strange, like something is happening here and someone or thing is telling me to get back down to the river and do the damn thing. We walk down the short trail together, surrounded by Missouri black. It's even colder than before, but I start to strip anyway, standing on the chilly stones of the dam. The dog with no name sits on the edge of the river, again just watching me, a slight wag. I'm now stark naked as can be, staring into this black pool that looks like some supernatural ink. I should mention here that I hate swimming in water I can't see the bottom of. My fearful imagination takes over and I freak out. In other words, I stand naked on the dam for over ten minutes before I finally muster up the balls, albeit shriveled and tiny balls, to say it and dive into the blackness. It was cold as hell. It was scariest. When I came up for air, I was thrashing wildly back towards the dam, scrambling back onto the slick stones. I shook out my hair and was surprised how the adrenaline helped me in keeping warm. As I pick up my clothes and shoes, I look over for my buddy at the river's edge. The dog with no name is nowhere in sight. Back up at the campsite, I'm looking around, gently whistling, that kind of thing. I'm more than woken up now, so I go ahead and start another fire. Dawn is just starting to break. 
I have another hot dog for breakfast and figure I might as well just pack it up and leave. This trip feels more than complete. As I start my car up and check my phone, there is an hour time difference between the two. This happened to fall on daylight savings time. I'm not calling it a supernatural rip in time, but it is funny that the night this went down, in fact, the exact time would be around 3 to 4 a.m. that the dog disappeared. So, the dog never showed up again, and I never shot up heroin again after that trip. This happened when I was a nine-year-old lad, at a church of all places, long before my drug problem ever started, so you guys know I wasn't tripping balls. I have a history of paranormal encounters, but this one is the most memorable, because it got physical. My church was having a summer camp type of thing for all the kids, during the school holidays. My parents, wanting me and my cousin, who was 12 at the time, out of the house, sent us along. So, there we were, a group of around 50 kids in this big-ass church with around five youth leaders. We're watching movies, playing games, and whatever else. Things are good. For now. One day, everyone is outside, playing some weird ball game. The sun was out, and the day was good. I figured, let me go inside and get my cap so I don't get a sunburn. Worst mistake ever. I go inside, and keep in mind it's a big church, and my bag is right in the front. I see it and think, that's weird, wasn't it more to the back where I was sitting? I say f*** it and take a stroll to the front and open my bag, looking around for my cap, when I hear someone whistle for me. I turn my attention behind me, to the huge white boards that the projectors hit, and there he is, a man, skin as white as snow, his ashy hair falling down from the sides of his fedora. He's dressed in a suit. He waves to me with his cold, unwavering eyes and gives me a crooked smile. I drop to the floor. My body starts shaking uncontrollably and I don't know what to do. It feels like my heart is going to burst. In comes my cousin with another girl who we became friends with. They're shaking me and I don't know what to do. They call on another lady, a youth leader. They watch over me, and eventually I stop. They pick me up and want to take me to the hospital, but I tell them it's fine. I've never had a seizure before and didn't even get what the big deal was. They rush me outside and carry me through the crowd to a car, and in the crowd, there he is, clear as day, tipping his hat to me before vanishing. They rushed me outside and called my parents. I told them what happened, and my parents were pale. I've had a history of experiences like that. The pastor convinced them to let me stay, and apparently what I said to my parents before they left was, look at how they run around the circle with the children, as I pointed to the kids playing. I still think about that white-skinned man from time to time. Fun fact, when I was a baby, a random lady approached my parents and told them I was a special baby and walked away. Maybe that's why I see all this weird stuff.
So, in Canada, we have a scalp system similar to the U.S. Our system by level is beavers, cubs, scouts, and benchers. This happened during cubs. So, there was this house on the property of the camp. Beautiful house. Nice wooden smell. It was great. During this time, all the troops around us gathered for a weekend up at the house. There were about six to seven troops gathered. We would be doing wooden car racing, etc. The house was split into two rooms, one for males, the other for females, and there was a closet doors connected to each room. At the time, there was maybe 10 to 20 guys in one room and maybe 10 to 15 females. We would be sleeping on the floor with our sleeping bags. After brushing, me and the guys went back to the guys' room. We were talking and one of the kids said that this place was haunted and that the closet that leads into the girls' section was where someone was hanged. Now, I'm not going to lie. I always had a strange feeling of the doorway. So much, in fact, that I specifically put my sleeping bag across the other side of the room. There was also an air vent there that I was afraid of as well, so I then moved it into the middle. Even if I had to sleep in between two guys, I didn't mind it. That night, after the counselor shushed us to sleep, because you know guys, we talk for hours on end, and if we didn't get told to sleep, we'd get in trouble. It was around maybe 4.30. I awoke, my head facing towards the closet, when I noticed something going down. The closet door was slowly opening. I was kind of stunned. Girls shouldn't be peeping on guys. That's when I see a shadow, no bigger than six foot. It was crazy tall for its size. Now, best I can describe from memory is like the color Banta Black. You can Google it. It was very blurry, but crisp into the middle. It slowly inched its way across the wooden floorboards. No sound, nothing. It just silently passed each kid as it went by. I didn't want this thing to see me, so I turned my head. It passed more kids, the more it went down. I was now trembling. I didn't know what it wanted. It kept moving slowly, passing a few kids ahead of me, and then it happened. The more it got closer, the more I felt dread. Not only did I feel dread, but I felt the air getting colder. And not just the physical feeling of being cold, it felt cold in my insides. The air got more dry and cold, like liquid nitrogen. The greatest amount of that feeling happened when it passed me. I was maybe a few feet to the door, so when it went to the other entrance I was at, I'm not shitting you this, it was literally turning the doorknob. It pulled the door open and slowly exited before, strangely enough, shut the door behind itself. That morning, we were getting up from bed and walked down the rickety old steps. One of the kids said, Did you guys see that shadow last night? And maybe four kids' eyes widened. We all blurted yes. We talked about it for a short while. And let's just say, after that experience... Everyone's sleeping bag was moved to the other side of the room.
I've been waiting a long time to tell this full story of the Whistler. The story requires many details, but it is unexplainable, creepy, and 100% true. I also have video evidence. When I was about eight years old, I was taking my dog for a walk through the neighborhood with my mom. It was maybe 11 p.m. We lived next to a swamp and woods area on the edge of our neighborhood in Lansing, Michigan. I remember it being very silent and slightly windy. From down in the swamp, we heard somebody whistling at us. It sounded sort of like a bird, but each whistle was different enough where the lack of consistency made it human-like. The whistle sounded higher than lower. I can't really describe it. My mom had a concerned, slightly terrified look on her face and grabbed my hand and said that we should go inside quickly. I didn't understand because I was too young, but seeing my mom freak out made me freak out too. After a while, though, I kind of forgot about it. Two years later, I was taking my dog out again, late at night. There is a large bush that could easily obscure a person behind it, just next to the front door. As I was finishing the walk, the whistling noise started again. Same pitches, same inconsistent, human-like tones. As soon as I heard it, a chill went down my spine as I remembered exactly the feeling of seeing my mom terrified, looking down into the swamp at something I couldn't see. Maybe she couldn't either. I ran inside as fast as possible. Years went by, and I thought about it less and less. I told only a handful of people, and eventually it slipped from my mind. Fast forward to last summer. I'm 24. Started dating my girl Sarah. We moved out to South Dakota for work. For Independence Day, we decided to go to Pierre, South Dakota and watch the fireworks along the bank of the Missouri River. There was a free camping spot behind a hospital where you could pitch your tent, hang out, and see the fireworks up the river. We were near the end of the campground, and there were very few people around us. As it was getting dark, the fireworks began. They were pretty far away, so the illumination they brought was very little. Thus, we had to sit right at the edge of the river to be able to see them. A huge thunderhead was moving in, and a storm was imminent, so the air seemed electric and the wind was picking up. The atmosphere was eerie, to say the least. The police boats herded all the other boats off the river and had left our area to do that elsewhere. Most of the other campers walked up to the river to have a better view of the fireworks, but Sarah and I stayed back and were drinking PBR Tallboys and kicking it. Suddenly, we heard the sound of a paddle methodically dipping into the water. We saw a figure steering a canoe about 20 meters offshore, Sarah decided to go get more beers from the car, leaving me alone to stare at this mystery person. And then, of course, they whistled at me. My entire body was frozen and covered in goosebumps. It was the exact same whistler from my childhood, more than a decade earlier. I looked at the figure, but it was much too dark to discern who it could be. They were wearing a hat, when they were perpendicular to the shore from me, they stopped paddling, 
turned the canoe to face directly at me and whistled right at me again. I was so frightened, I stood up and shouted at them, Who are you? They didn't say anything, just whistled a couple more times, turned the canoe 180 degrees, and paddled out of sight. I'm a videographer, so I already had my camera by my side and was taking video of the fireworks. As the canoe was almost out of sight, I grabbed my camera and got a shot of them whistling as they went away. When Sarah came back from getting beers, she was very confused as to why I was so freaked out. When I explained, she was freaked out a bit too. I was convinced we would both be murdered that night. How did this whistling person follow me after 14 years all the way to South Dakota? Was it a coincidence? Why was it the same whistling noise? Who was that person and where did they go? So many questions still unanswered. To this day, I'm more afraid of being outside in the dark where I might hear that whistling again. I'm open to any explanations as to what this figure was or who it was or what it is entirely. I have been holding this story in for a while and have tirelessly searched the internet to find another person who has experienced something similar, but to no avail. This story is entirely true, and although I loved the campground I stayed at and the beautiful nature that was all around, I'll have a tough time going back without finding out what the hell happened the last time I went. My girlfriend had invited me on a camping trip to Indian Boundary Campground with her and her family a few months back. This campground is in the Cherokee National Forest near a city called Teleco Plains, Tennessee. The first few days of the trip went as expected. We hiked, made s'mores, and told scary stories. But little did I know that I would be in one soon. About halfway through the trip, we decided to visit the local fish hatchery. Unfortunately, when we arrived, the gates were closed, and there were signs out saying that it was closed due to COVID. On the same bulletin board that these signs were on, there was an oddly out of place and very unsettling picture of a fish with its face cut straight open. Yes, the face was cut straight down the middle, so all that could be seen was the skeleton of the fish. There was text on the picture that read, Look, but it was in some strange font, almost a creepy pasta kind of font. That itself wasn't all too weird. I just wrote it off as someone trying to play a prank and creep tourists out. Once we realized the hatchery was closed, we decided to change our plans for the day and head to a swimming hole that my girlfriend's grandma used as a child. We arrived to a beautiful, clear creek with a rope swing tied to a tree on the bank. An old lady sat in front of the tree smoking a cigarette with a rock in her lap. As my girlfriend and I approached the creek, we greeted the old woman who seemed quite friendly. And that is when I noticed that she was using another smaller rock to etch something onto the larger rock that was in her lap. 
She eventually left the creekside, retreating to her camper, which was about 50 feet from the other side of the creek, and joined her husband. They both then sat outside their camper in lawn chairs facing the creek, and it seemed as though they just watched us from a distance for a good while. I didn't think too much of it. Sure, it was creepy, but they were just some harmless old people. Then I looked at the rock that the woman had been writing on. The word, look, was carved into it. I shat myself. Just kidding, I didn't actually shit, but figuratively, all of the shit was scared out of me. Nothing else that was this strange happened throughout the rest of our trip, but this day still boggles my mind. I have no way of explaining these events, and still have not heard of anyone with similar experiences. But damn, the woods are creepy, and that is the last place I wanted to be scared shitless. I went camping near Solvang, California, with just myself and my 18-pound schnoodle. It was early in the season, maybe early March, and there was no one else in this campground. The campground didn't have any hosts. It was first come, first serve, pay as you stay in a drop box type of place. The campground was on a slope, and there were trees, but the trees were not too thick so you could see most of the campground if you were on the upper part of the slope. Since I was alone, I picked the campground on the top right. It was a pretty remote area, so it was pitch black at night. Everything was good for a few days. We went to the beach and walked, and I did a lot of droning. One day, there was this truck of about three guys that came to the campground and they were shooting at trees, smoking weed and drinking. They saw me and were staring hard. I am a female and I started to feel uncomfortable and I went into my tent. Eventually, they left. Later that night at maybe two or three in the morning, I woke up to the sound of an engine and bright lights. I peeked out of the air vent in the top of my tent and all I could see was a truck parked right in front of my campsite. The high beams were on, and I couldn't see anything else because it was so blinding. The truck stayed like that for about 30 seconds, and then all of a sudden, the horn sounded. My poor dog, who was barking, started to whimper, and then shake super hard. I don't know how long they blasted the horn for, it felt like it was forever, and they were also revving the engine. Eventually, they hit the gas and came flying up the slope at the tent. I freaked out and dug down and picked up my dog. They flew right by the tent, blaring the horn and yelling out the window. They drove down the campground, not on the road, but through all the campsites and through the grassy field area. I don't know how they missed the trees. They shot guns from the window and did a couple of drive-bys and then drove away. Writing this out now, it doesn't seem very scary, but it was terrifying at the time. I didn't know if they were going to come in and kill me or me. I didn't know if they were going to run me over or shoot me. 
The next morning, without hesitation, I packed everything up and I left. My English isn't that good, so please bear with me. I'm a 15-year-old living in Sweden. Last summer, me and my dad visited an island located in a very large lake. The island is about 5 kilometers long, if I'm not mistaken. In one of the ends, there's a ferry connecting the island to the mainland in a smaller town. Me and my dad were going to go to a camping spot on the opposite side of the island. The road on the island goes up and down quite a lot, so it was a hard biking all the way. About halfway through the regular roads, it turned into gravel roads. And no one lived this far away from the small town, as far as I know. We arrived at the camping site, made food, and put up our tent and went to sleep. I can clearly remember putting the cooking utensils back in the bag before going to bed. There was a very light rainfall that night, but we slept well. Waking up in the morning, we saw that our bag with cooking stuff was opened up and somebody had clearly gone through it, and there were footprints all around in the wet dirt. After a bit of arguing, we both agreed that none of us was up peeing that night and that I did indeed pack the cooking things. Just to clarify, our bag with cooking stuff was outside the tent under a little built-in roof, probably made for putting bags under, while our bags with sleeping stuff was inside the tent. We were both really spooked out after this. We ate something simple and went back to the town as fast as possible, which wasn't very fast since the roads were really hard to travel on bike. While this may not be creepy to you, it surely creeped both me and my dad out. I was camping at the base of Tijeras Peak in Colorado near the lake that sits at its feet. I am about to fall asleep when I hear something walking outside of our tent the sound of small twigs snapping underfoot. It is slow and careful sounding. I start to think and hope that it's just a deer or something wild. I'd much rather it be an animal than a human because a human slowly walking around our tent in the middle of the night is probably up to no good. My ice axe is just outside the tent, so I think I'd try to slowly unzip the tent and grab the axe. Then, the thing starts making noises. It stops moving, maybe five feet from our tent, and it starts breathing heavy and then scraping on something just outside the tent. Suddenly, it stops again, and maybe 20 seconds later, it makes an odd sound. Whoop, 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 <sighs> Kind of like a person with hoarse vocal cords trying to say, <sighs> but more forceful. The whoop doesn't sound like an owl. It honestly sounds human. I quickly unzip the tent, grab our ice axes, and am ready to start swinging. I'm too chicken shit to jump out of the tent, so I just lay there clutching my axe. 
The thing finally walks away, and I am so tired from hiking in all day that I fall asleep shortly thereafter. The next morning, we get up and survey the area, finding that the stump a few feet from our tent had been gnawed or scratched on pretty significantly. There wasn't any large hoof or footprints around the camp. To this day, I wished I had jumped out and shined my light around to see what it was. I actually read this story on Reddit a couple years ago. It was a woman relating a story about the last time she ever went camping. It went something like this. She was a very accomplished camper and survival enthusiast. She enjoyed going on solo trips for two weeks or so, completely on her own. She explained that she would stop and hit a store a couple of hours before her destination to get some supplies and that would be it for people. During her last trip alone, she saw one guy by the store in a truck park along the road fishing. She never saw another person after that. She would see bears, moose, wildlife, but that's it. She spent her time reading and just traveling around. During each trip, she would take about 10 to 14 disposable cameras with her. A couple days after one of her trips, she took the cameras in to be developed. When she got them back, she was sitting at home looking through the pictures. Once she got to the fifth or sixth row, she almost had a heart attack. Every third or fourth picture was a picture of her sleeping on a different night. She swore she didn't see another person anywhere. She explained that she has never gone solo or camping for that matter since then. Her husband could not get her to go anywhere near the woods after that. And that, dear listeners, brings a close to these more camping horror stories. If you are sleeping, I hope Slumberland is treating you kindly. If you are awake, I hope you've enjoyed this collection. In the meantime, please take care of yourselves. I'll be reading to you soon. Have yourselves a good morning, a good afternoon, or a good night. <laughs>